We are in a series titled The Best News Ever, focusing our attention on the fact that the gospel is not just good news. It's not just great news. It is the best news ever. And before we dive into that today, I want to ask you, if you'd be so bold as to get your hand ready, just in case this applies to you, this is the audience participation portion of the sermon. So get your hand ready. If you have ever driven south on I-29 to Omaha, raise your hand. Wow, good job. Even the cool people raised their hands. That was awesome. The vast majority of you, and maybe you're watching online, and maybe you're watching from somewhere other than Sioux Falls, and you're like, what's I-29? It's okay. Omaha South uh, from Sioux Falls. And if you've driven that road, um, you know that, maybe you know, there's a rest area just south of Sioux City. And it's one of the good rest areas where it's easy on, easy off. You know, you don't have to stop. There's a lousy rest area in Sioux City where you got to get off and you stop and you go to the stoplight and you go back here and you go past the motel and you get all the way back there. It's a pretty cool rest area once you get there, but it's not easy on, easy off. There's a really good one that's worth the 10-minute wait if you're trying to get to Omaha quickly on the south side of Sioux City. And just imagine with me for a moment that you're on your way to Omaha and you take the right one. You go through Sioux City, you get to the one that's easy on, easy off. And you're standing in that rest area and somebody strikes up a conversation with you. And they say, oh yeah, we're on our way to Fargo. You think, wait a minute, we're in the southbound rest area between Sioux Falls and Omaha. For those of you that are directionally challenged, I've got a map And it'll make this really clear for you. In the red circle is Sioux Falls. That's where we are right now. Omaha is in the blue circle below us. Or is that green? Green, sorry. It's hard for me to see. I wrote it in there, but I forgot. Fargo is in the blue circle at the top or the north side of the map. And the reason that I bring this up is I want to know, would you tell them? Would you tell this new friend that you met? You're not on your way to Omaha. I see some heads nodding. You would really go so far as to tell them that? Well, I mean, wouldn't that be a little offensive to tell them they're going the wrong way? I mean, who are you to tell them they're going the wrong way? Shouldn't you just let them figure it out on their own? No, right? The loving thing to do, the kind thing to do, is to spare them the next hour or hour and 15 minutes, depending on whether they set the cruise at 80 or 85 or 90. When they get to Omaha and they realize, we weren't going to Fargo all along. No, the the kind thing to do, the loving thing to do, is to tell them, you need to make a U-turn. And you need to say it kindly, like, you know, speak the truth in love. Don't shake your fist at them or be a finger-wagging emissary of doom and gloom. Don't beat them with a map right? Just kindly say, um, I just, have, I, I just need to make sure you understand you are not headed to where you think you're headed. That would be the loving, kind thing to do, right? Everybody agree? Okay, good. I'm glad we're all on the same page there because we're, we're in a message today titled The Way. And we're going to be focusing this week and the next two weeks on Jesus' really kind of landmark, earth-shattering, paradigm-shifting statement in John 14, 6, when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. So we'll be looking at that. Today we'll look at the way. Next week we'll look at the truth. The following week we'll look at the life. And we're in a series titled The Best News Ever. And so let me give you the bottom line early today. 
Last week, you had to wait all the way till the end. I'm sure you were on pins and needles. This week, I'm going to give it to you early, but pay attention anyway because there's some other good stuff coming. Jesus Christ is the way to God. Jesus Christ is the way to God, and that is good news. Didn't you love that passage of Scripture that Michael shared with us between the, the third and fourth songs? I don't know about you. I felt the Spirit of God come into this place when he read the gospel to us, that God had reached out to us through Jesus Christ, that even though we were dead in our sins and our transgressions, he made us alive in Jesus Christ. That is good news. And it's good news for everyone, everywhere, for all time. And so that's what we're talking about today, is the way to God. Last week, we focused on the one true God, and we looked at the Trinity, and this was sort of foundational to the whole premise that Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit are one. They're one God. They've existed forever and will exist forever in a community of divine love, and they desperately want you to join them in that community of divine love forever. They want you to be with them forever. So much so that when we alienated ourselves from God through our own actions, they said, that's unacceptable. Jesus said, I'll go. I'll get them, Dad. I'll bring them back. I will go on a divine rescue mission. I will leave this community of divine love behind and go to earth and die a gruesome and horrifying death so that they can all come back. That's why it's the best news ever. And so my question at the beginning here is, Did you tell anyone this week? Did you tell anyone the best news ever? Did you invite anybody to come to your church to hear the best news ever? Did you share a sermon with them? And if not, why not? If it really is the best news ever, and I think we agree that it is, why wouldn't we share it? Why wouldn't we share it every single week? As I mentioned last week, we're going to kind of start each message with John 14, 1 through 7. And there's some intentionality behind this. It's not because I lack creativity. It's because this, like at the end of this message series, you might kind of almost sort of have this one memorized. And this would be a great passage to have on the tip of your tongue as you share the best news ever with other people. And as we go through this series, you're going to hear five different ways to present the truth of this passage, the gospel, to people. And so I believe that this is sort of like these five weeks are sort of like evangelism training for us, the ability to share our faith in a, in a way that will resonate with the people that we are talking to. So we're on John 14. For those of you that are in the sanctuary, you can pick up one of our blue hardcover Bibles. It's on page 1675. For those of you that are online, we'll have it on the screen, but I really encourage you to pick up a Bible and have it in your hand, whether that's on a digital device or plain old-fashioned paper. But today we're going to read this passage, and then we're really going to focus on the middle five verses of it. But in John 14, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Last week we talked about how big a deal it was that Jesus equated himself with God, that he and God were one. If you missed that message, I really encourage you to go and listen to it and how it kind of sets the table for everything we're talking about this week and the next couple of weeks. He continues in verse 2, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, 
We don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And so that's our launch pad for each of these messages. This week, we're focusing on those middle couple of verses there, verses 2 through 6, where Jesus is talking in verse 2 about heaven. And he's saying he's going to go there and he's going to prepare a place for us so that we can be with him forever. And he declares emphatically that he is the way to heaven, that he is the way to God, that he is the way to an eternity in God's presence. And it's interesting to me, he doesn't say that he is a way to heaven, as if he were one of many options, or even one of a few. He says, I am the way. He's not a way. He is the way. He is the only way. Jesus Christ is the only way to God. And that's important because there is a popular lie today that is making its way through our culture. It's making its way through social media. It's making its way through conversations that people have that say there are many ways to God. There are many ways to an eternity in his presence. And they are all equally valid and legitimate and effective. Pick the one that you like the best. And so religious pluralism is on the rise. It's not that there's one way, but there's many ways. Or that the truth is more like ice cream. Pick the flavor you like the best. When scripture indicates the truth is much more like medicine. You pick the wrong one, it can kill you. Forever. And so, we'll talk more about that next week. But there are some that even say that all roads lead to heaven. All roads lead to heaven. Somehow it's all going to just be okay in the end. And that's a lot like saying that you can get to Fargo by heading south on I-29 from Sioux Falls. It doesn't work. That's not the way to Fargo. And I'm not saying Fargo is heaven and Omaha is the other place. Don't hear me say that at all, okay? (laughs) But there's one way, and Jesus has made it clear that he is the way, that Jesus Christ is the way to God. Now, Proverbs 14, 12, in his wisdom, Solomon, centuries before Christ, wrote a powerful little statement that there is a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to death. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. And as I pondered that, I thought, well, there's at least three ways that come immediately to mind, right? There's atheism. That's a way that seems right to an increasing number of people. It used to be if you were an atheist, you were kind of on your own. Atheism is on the rise. More and more people are deciding that there is no God, that there was just a bang, and it's all here, and we're just, you know, the result of billions of years of evolution culminating in this and all of this. So atheism says there is no God at all. And that seems right to some people, but in the end it leads to death. 
There's also agnosticism. That might be a newer word for some of you. Uh, Somebody already asked me, what's that? Agnosticism is the idea that we can't know for sure. Maybe the Bible's true, maybe not. Maybe it's atheism, maybe it's the divine creator, maybe it's a pantheism of God's, but we can't know for sure. We're finite in our understanding, and there's no possible way that we can know. Well, that's agnosticism. It comes from the Greek word gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, agnosis. So ag, A, before it means we can't know. And so there are many people that have just kind of thrown their hands up and said, we can't know for sure. So I guess we might as well just do whatever we want to do right now. And then there's a third one that we've already talked about a little bit. That's universalism. It says, we're all going. We're all going. Why not just do what we want to do right now? Why bother ourselves with the question? And there's a fourth one that came to mind as I thought about this, and it's the one that we're probably more susceptible to as people in the church, as people that maybe grew up in the church, especially various streams of Christianity have emphasized this idea of works-based religion. That what you do determines what you get. And I talk about this a lot because it's really, really important that we understand it. And basically, works-based religion is a way that ends in death if you are counting on anything other than Jesus Christ to make you right with God. Yes, we do all those things as a response to what has been done for us. We pursue a life of holiness. We serve our brothers and sisters in love. We spend time in the scriptures. We spend time in prayer. We do all of the things that some people do as religion in order to earn God's favor. We do them because we have God's favor. And because we're so overwhelmed with gratitude that we can't imagine not spending time in his word, not serving our brothers and sisters in love, not sharing the best news ever with other people. Do you understand the difference between the two? It's really important that we understand that. And Jesus is saying here in this passage that if you're counting on anything other than the blood of Jesus Christ to bring you into right standing with God, you're going to be very disappointed. Very disappointed. He's the way to God. Not only is he the way, the truth, and the life, he says very clearly after that, lest there be any doubt, no one comes to the Father except through me. There are no asterisks. (laughs) There are no footnotes. There are no what-ifs. He makes it crystal clear for us. And so one of the best ways that has that I have seen to present this is through the gospel tracts that show a great chasm between us and God and a great space in between that there's no way we can run fast enough and jump far enough or fly high enough to get over that chasm that our sin separates us from God, and we can't reach him on our own. And then Jesus comes in, Jesus Christ, the cross of Jesus Christ comes in as the bridge, the bridge that brings us from where we are to God. And so Jesus is that bridge. Jesus is the only bridge. He's the only thing that can bring us to God. And I share this with you, not because you don't know it, most of you, but because a lot of people in the culture find this highly offensive. They say, things like, that's not good news. Certainly not the best news ever. That's bad news. How can a loving God only make one way for people to come to him? How could a loving God be so exclusive to say that you only can come to me through Jesus? And I think that's totally the wrong question. I think the right question is, why would a holy and just God make any way at all for us to be redeemed after we have so consistently rejected him and walked away from him and turned our back on him? 
We should be grateful that he has made any way at all, and we should be grateful that he has made a way that is open to everyone. And he has, in the person of Jesus Christ. And furthermore, in verse 2, he says there is plenty of room for everyone. He's going there to prepare a place for anyone who will come. And in his father's house, there are many rooms. So there are rooms not for just the people that look and act and talk and smell like us, but the people who don't. There's room for people all over the world. There's room for people who are far from God currently to come to God. And that's why I love these uh, Muslim prayer guides that during the month of Ramadan, we have an opportunity to pray for our brothers and sisters, future brothers and sisters in Christ that are currently in the Muslim faith and pray that they would be redeemed, that the gospel would continue to flourish in the Muslim world. Did you realize that that's one of the places that it's growing the fastest? The fringes of Christianity are pushing into the Muslim world. And we have an opportunity to pray for them. And these prayer guides are great. We've done this the last couple of years as a family. When we do our, our evening sort of devotional time where we read some scripture, we read one of these pages and it tells us about a Muslim nation and about how the people there live and how we can pray specifically for that nation. And then we pray for them. And so you can pick one of these up there on the tables as you, as you go. And this is a great way to, to broaden your prayer horizon to include the people that are all around the world. Your kids are going to get one, too. There's a, a special one this year that is designed for children. So I really encourage those of you who have kids in Kids Way to make this a part of your daily time together as a family starting on April 2nd. Because part of the good news is that there's plenty of room, plenty of room for everyone. There's, there's not a limited number of spots available. This is good news, right? How many of you back before cell phones had ever been on a long road trip and you weren't quite sure how far you were going to make it and so when you got to XYZ town, you were going to look for a hotel, right? You remember how hotels used to all have that vacancy, no vacancy sign? You hardly ever see those anymore. And I wonder, have you ever been on one of those types of road trips and you finally see a hotel and it says vacancy and you pull in and you go and you say, yeah, we need a room for the night. And they say, oh, I'm sorry, we just gave our last one away. I was about to flip the switch on the no sign. So it would say no vacancy. Aren't you glad that's not going to happen in heaven? <laughs> like you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to be anxious about that. If you have come to faith in Jesus Christ, he is the way to God. And if you are on the way with him, you are good. You're not going to hear a no vacancy sign or see a no vacancy sign. And I want to pause right here just to to mention, because every now and then we get the question and say, hey, Pastor Mark, when are we going to go back to one service? You know, we started that whole two services thing, uh, you know, during COVID, but, you know, COVID's kind of over now, and, and we really liked it better when we were in one service. Can we go back to one service? And I said, well, I, I explained, we really started as an experiment, and as we made the decision, okay, are we going to go back to one service, or are we going to move to two services, we recognize that when we look at our attendance numbers, if we go back to one service, we don't have room to grow in that service. That when we look at the combined service attendance between the two services, and you put them in one service, we're very close to what church people call saturation, where when people walk into the back of a church and they see that 70, 80% of the seats are full, they say, well, there's not room for me. It looks like a no vacancy sign. And they may sit down once or they may just turn around and walk back out. And as I was pondering that and thinking through that, it occurs to me that 
those, that 80, 85% number, I think that was a pre-COVID number. I'd heard that number for years. I think people are more crowd-averse than they used to be, than they were two or three years ago. And that number might be closer to 60 or 70% now. And so when they come in and they see the vast majority of the seats are full, they're not going to stay. And I get, I get, it is more fun to worship in a full room. I'm with you on that one. And I even have a preference for getting here at 7.30 or 8 over 6.30 or 7. But I also have priorities. And the priority is that we would have space for people who are coming to faith in Jesus, for people who are interested, for people who are being invited. And so I do have some practical suggestions for those of you that might be in that. I'd really rather be in one service. The three main reasons that I hear for that is that it's not full and it's not as much fun to walk into a full room or, you know, there's not as much energy. Well, invite more people and there'll be more people here and bring more energy yourself and there'll be more energy here. And then the third one would be to sit closer together. This isn't as big a deal in the second service because we're getting pretty close to that 60% just in this room in this service. Imagine if everybody that was at the first service was in here right now. There would be nowhere to sit. There might be a few seats here and there. But if you would like to hear people singing around you and feel more energy, then sit closer to the middle and there's more people in the middle and you'll hear more people singing and you'll experience that energy. So that's just a practical sort of detour on why we're continuing why we did the experiment, we've experienced growth in both services, and we don't feel like we can stay true to our mission to reach people for Christ, give them a place to belong, and help them grow in their faith if we move back to one service. Now, here's the bad news. I know we've been talking about the good news, the great news, the best news ever. Here's the bad news. It comes from Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which is, most scholars agree, the central teaching of Christianity— Most likely, Jesus did not just give this sermon one time in Matthew 5. He gave it over and over and over. And it wasn't just those three chapters. It it would be days long of teaching. And those are just the footnote or the, the, the outline for that sermon. But towards the end, in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, he says something really important to our topic today. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So Jesus is very clear that he is the way, and that his father's house has many rooms, that there's plenty of space for everyone. But he does point out that there is that way that seems right to a man, but the end therein is death. That's the broad road. That's the wide gate. And he begs us to not choose the easy road, the wide gate that leads to destruction, but to instead enter through him, to walk through life with him on that narrow road, following him, learning from him. This is called discipleship. This is where we learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and we become more and more like him all the time. And as we do that, then we have opportunity through holy living and through being filled with the Spirit to share that great news, that best news ever, with the people that we bump into as we walk along the road of life with Jesus. Do you see how this is, this is all fitting together with Jesus as the way. 
In fact, unless, you know, every now and then people get confused, right? So in John 10, he, he makes it clear that he's the gate. Lest you think, well, there's probably another gate somewhere, right? No, he says in John 10, 9, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. He's made it so clear. They will come and go freely and will find good pasture. So he's basically saying, if you're not, if you haven't entered through me, if you have not, are not walking through life with me, then you need to make a U-turn. You need to find your way to Jesus. You need to help people to understand that if they're on the wrong way, that they need to make a course correction, that they need to make a U-turn. We call this repentance, right? So you're going in this direction. You've chosen the way that seems right to you, whether that's atheism or agnosticism or universalism or even works-based religion. You're going in the wrong direction, and somebody has enough love to share the good news, the best news ever, that it, Jesus is the way. Then we turn. We make a U-turn. We go 180 degrees in the other direction, and we pursue life with Christ. We choose to make a U-turn, to go in a different direction, just like somebody who's trying to get to Fargo by going south on I-29 has to make a U-turn and head north. Why? Because the thief's purpose, in verse 10, is to steal and kill and destroy. The thief's purpose is that you will choose in a way that leads to your destruction. But Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I love the New Living Translation as it translates that phrase. We often hear the abundant life or the life and life to the full. I love that rich and satisfying life. Jesus wants you to live a rich and satisfying life. It is not a life of depravity. It's not a life that is free from fun or enjoyment. It is a life that is filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And the best news is that you don't have to wait until you die to begin your eternal life with Jesus. You don't have to wait until you die. That when you turn to Jesus, you enter through the narrow gate, you begin walking through life with him, you begin your eternal life right there. And you have the blessing and the joy of eternal life from that point forward. We're going to talk more about that in a couple of weeks. Right now, as we kind of bring this to a close, I had this idea pop into my head this week, and I kind of felt silly for not thinking of it the week before. I'm going to preach the gospel four weeks in a row, and then we're going to celebrate on Easter. Why not baptisms on Easter Sunday? Like, I don't know why that didn't occur to me sooner, because I know that there are people in this church who have made a public or have made a personal commitment to Jesus, but have never made a public profession of their faith. And what better way to close this series out, to celebrate Easter morning, to celebrate the resurrection, then through baptism. We have a couple of children who have recently given their life to Christ in our Kids Way program. I know there are some adults that have given their life to Christ but have not been baptized for one reason or another. And my hope and my prayer is that we'll have several people that take that step. And I want you to think, if you're in that camp, how much better will your invitation to somebody on Easter Sunday say, come to my church. I'm actually getting baptized. I want you to be there to celebrate that with me. And so if you've never been baptized, if you've never made that public profession of your faith, then we'll have a baptism class 
on Palm Sunday. Right after service, we'll make it simple. It's, it's not going to be an hour and a half long. It'll be short and sweet and to the point we'll walk through the logistics so that, you know, if you've got questions about this or that, if you want to make sure you understand what it means and, and what will take place on that morning, we'll go through all of that. And then on Easter Sunday, my hope and my prayer is that we'll have multiple people that choose to make that profession of their faith. And so you can indicate that on a connection card. You can scan the QR code and sign up for the class so that we know that you'll be there. If you can't make the class, you're going to be out of town or you got plans or whatever, just send me an email, marc at linwoodchurch.org, and we'll figure out. We'll connect one-on-one. We'll do whatever we need to do to help you take that step. And so as we close, I am thankful that Jesus Christ is the way to God. I am thankful that somebody loved me enough to share that good news with me and to lead me into that narrow gate and onto that narrow path. And if you are, then today we just offer thanks and we offer gratitude and we say, Jesus, what can I do in response to that? If you're hearing this and this is the first time that it's really connected all the dots and you say, oh my gosh, Jesus is the way to God and I haven't entered through that narrow gate and I'm not on that narrow way, then today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can enter that narrow gate. And it sounds something like this. Jesus, I confess my sin to you. I confess that I chose a way that seemed right to me, but I see now that the end of that way is death and that you died so that I could spend eternity with you forever. Please, come into my life. Forgive my sins. I accept your forgiveness. Show me the way. Show me the way. Maybe you're saying, you know, I prayed that prayer one time, but that was a long time ago, and I've gotten a long ways off course. Here's good news. Jesus is the way back to God. Jesus is the way back. It is not too late. You are not too far gone. No one is. His grace can reach you wherever you are. His grace can reach you wherever you are. And so we say, come back to God today. Come to God today. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for being the way, Jesus. Thank you for making a way for us to come back to you, for us to spend eternity in your presence. Lord, we pray for those who are hearing this, who are processing this, who are, who are right on the edge. Holy Spirit, settle over them right now and show them the truth. Reveal the truth to them. They have heard your word. May it settle into their hearts. May they respond in faith to it. And for those that are overwhelmed with gratitude, Lord, show us the next step. Show us what you want us to do with what we have heard. Show us right now who you want us to share it with and help us to be faithful, to respond in faith. For those who are feeling conviction to get baptized, to to take that next step, help us to just walk with you and step with you and step with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.